Well, Crave, as you have already heard, we're starting a new series, a four-week series, diving into the book of Jonah. I feel like Jonah is probably one of the most taught stories in like Sunday school, children's church, VBS. Uh, who here would say you've got a pretty good familiarity with the story of Jonah? Show of hands, put them up, put them up, okay? Who here would say, ah, I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't really know the story? Anybody brave enough to admit it? Nobody. Okay, one. That's fine. That's okay. We're glad you're here, too. Um, again, I think it's a story we heard probably when we were kids, but when's the last time we spent any time with it? Uh, it's, it's one of those that, for me, I'll tell you what, what really it stands out in my mind, is the first theatrical-released VeggieTales movie. I'll, I'll go ahead and put a picture of it up for you. Is Jonah a VeggieTales movie? Wow. Interesting. Um, was this a big part of some faith journeys out here? I didn't anticipate. Okay. I know what it was. It's, it's the pirates who don't do anything. Is that it for most of you? If, you, if you've never seen this VeggieTales gem, this is your homework. Go home and watch uh, this depiction of the story of Jonah, which, yes, this is a kid-friendly version, but what you'll find over these next four weeks as we dive in is there's really a lot going on here. Um, what is the book of Jonah about. Most of you said you, you kind of know the story. Here's what I've experienced and I've been kind of uh, crowdsourcing over the last several weeks. I'll ask somebody, hey, what's the book of Jonah about? And they'll say, well, I know that he was supposed to go to Nineveh, right? And he chose to not do that. We're going to look at that tonight, chapter one. Uh, and then there was like a whale or a fish or something. And that's where most people stop. And I would even ask you to think about like, do you know the rest of the story? Because that's only the first really chapter Maybe you know that ultimately he gets spit out of that whale. That's chapter 2. What happens in 3 and 4? Uh, I want to show you kind of the schedule for what we're going to walk through over the next four weeks. We'll put that up for you. Uh, tonight we'll talk about running from God. Next week, Robsy's going to be here. He's going to talk about the reflection of Jonah in the belly of the beast. Uh, we'll come back at the beginning of August after we take a week off for camp. Who's going to camp? Show of hands. Show of hands. It's going to be great. Uh, I'll come back in week 3 and talk about the repentance uh, of who you'll have to stay and see. And then... You already heard Taylor during the announcements talk about Jonah as his favorite book, and actually his favorite chapter of his favorite book is four, and so Taylor's going to wrap up the series for us on August 8th, so I hope that you'll be able to be here. If you're not, uh, we do put recaps up on YouTube, and we also put the podcast out. Check that out at your own leisure. Uh, tonight, we're going to jump right into the text. There's no shame in the game if you can't find the book of Jonah in your Bible. That's a panic moment, right? If you're in a crowd of people who you think really love Jesus, you're like, I don't is. It's like two pages in there, so it's okay. If you can't find it, we'll put the text on the screen for you. Uh, let's read together Jonah 1, 1 and 2. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Okay, what do we know about the Ninevites? Well, God has told us right here they are wicked, but this will potentially really resonate with that raucous crowd who saw the movie. Uh, VeggieTales depicts the Ninevites, let's go ahead and put that up on the screen, as people who constantly slap each other with fish. Um, again, this is the kiddie version. Uh, not great. None of us would be thrilled to be smacked in the face with some fish. But uh, it goes a little bit deeper. Uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about it. If you were to go into another book that you've probably not spent extensive time in, Nahum. Everybody say Nahum. Real book of the Bible, didn't make it up. Uh, in Nahum chapter 1, it talks about the people of Nineveh as schemers against God. Like these people are actually actively scheming against the Lord. 
In Nahum chapter 3, it says that Nineveh is a city of murder and lies. It says it's crammed with wealth and never without victims. Great place, right? You definitely want to take your next vacation there. It also says in Nahum 3, 4, it's a beautiful and faithless city, a mistress of deadly charms, enchanting people everywhere. The people of Nineveh were bad news, okay? It was well known, well documented. And ultimately, God is going to wipe them out. But that's not what happens here in the book of Jonah. Spoiler, if you're not familiar with it. Nineveh is this rising star of a city within the Assyrian Empire. It will ultimately become the capital of a very hated nation who has come into numerous conflicts with the people of God, with Israel. And so why does Jonah not want to go? We're going to look a little bit more at that in the coming weeks. But I will tell you in advance Chapter 4 is a linchpin of all this, and we find out that, that Jonah knows how God is, that he's compassionate, that he's slow to anger, he's willing to forgive. Jonah does not want to go on this mission. He just doesn't want to do it. Let's actually look at Jonah 1.3, his response. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Who's Jonah trying to get away from? Say it. God. Yes, he doesn't want to go on this mission trip, right? Now, if you don't know, uh, Nineveh was about 550 miles east. We'll put a map up for you. You can take a look at this. It's about 550 miles to his east. He jumps on this ship to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles west. Now, to give you some context here, 2,500 miles, if you jumped in your car tonight and drove to California, that's 2,500 miles. This dude is out. He's not just trying to kind of get away. He's, he's out. He is running a total of 3,000-something miles away from where God has called him to be. Tarshish is a beautiful port city in Spain. Nineveh is in modern-day Iraq. So even today, if I was like, hey, we're going to go on a mission trip, who wants to go to Iraq yeah! Or Spain. Ooh, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds like it could be fun. Jonah's running away, yes, from what God called him to, but from God. Now, let me ask you something. Who is the book of Jonah about? The Sunday school answer was correct here, guys. The book of Jonah, look right here at me, is not about Jonah. The book of Jonah is about God. We do that same thing. We think our lives are about ourselves. And it's not about you. Now, Jonah's the vehicle. We're going to learn from Jonah's life. But this book is about God. Who's Jonah running away from? It says it twice right there. He's running from God. He's running away from God. He said go. Jonah said no. He went completely in the opposite direction. I will tell you, uh, most of us, again, would probably choose you know, a beautiful Spanish port city for a mission trip instead of the heart of modern-day Iraq. But God doesn't always call you to something comfortable or something pleasant. We talk a lot about we just want to be safe in the center of God's will, but you have to understand that to be in that place doesn't always mean it's going to be comfortable or actually safe. Jonah knew that the people of Nineveh were violent. They knew that they were enemies. There's some racial tension there. And Jonah said, I'm out. I'm going to go the other direction. Some of us know exactly what that's like. 
So uh, I'm not going to read to you. I hope that you're looking at your phone or your Bible. I'm not going to read to you all of Jonah 1 for sake of time. I'm going to summarize some of what happens. He jumps on the boat, right? He's heading uh, west when he's supposed to be going east. And it says, if you look at Jonah 1, 4, it says that God sent a storm. It didn't just happen to come up. God sent a storm. And this storm is rough. Now, as the storm is kicking up, Jonah's asleep down in the hold of the ship, but the sailors are freaking out because they know this is, this is a powerful storm. And as the storm begins to get worse and worse and worse, they eventually go and wake up Jonah, uh, and they're casting lots to figure out who's to blame. All right, we're going to figure out who's to blame. And the lots come up, hey, it's Jonah. Jonah, this storm is your fault. And they're like, dude, what is the deal? And he says, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Hebrew. I serve uh, God, who's the Lord of the seas and the land, which is super ironic because, like, if you know that he's the Lord of the sea and the land, you, like, did you really think you were going to get away? Anyway, so uh, they ask him, hey, what should we do so we don't drown? And they, he tells them, throw me overboard. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, how noble. Jonah is willing to sacrifice himself for these people. I would submit to you, based on not only this passage, but the entirety of the book, Mm-mm, he's not being noble. Jonah would rather die than go and share God's compassion with people. That's jacked up. Like, I don't know if you hate somebody so much in your life that you're like, man, I hope God never gets to them. I don't want to spend eternity in heaven with them. That's where Jonah's at. Jonah is not some hero. This book does not paint him in a great light. And you're going to see that as we continue to go throughout the story. And so he tells the sailors, throw me overboard. And even these pagan sailors who don't know God are like, "Ah, that's murder. That's not cool. Um, So they fight harder and harder. Uh, You can read this on your own. And eventually they realize, like, "This this is all we can do. And so they, these sailors who don't have a relationship with God, whose hearts are far from him, begin to pray. And they're like, God, please forgive us. And whoop, they chuck him right overboard. The Bible says immediately the storm stops. I will read to you Verses 15 and 16 uh, says, The sailors picked Jonah up, threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. This book's so funny because you're going to see over and over again the people who you think are going to do one thing do another. Jonah, who is a prophet of God, runs away from him. These sailors who don't know God humble themselves and begin to realize, man, there's something real about this God. And it says that they offer a sacrifice. They vow to serve him. That's incredible. They realize that God is doing something. Now, verse 17 is kind of this linchpin verse where a lot of people like to bog down. And we won't spend too much time there, but I'll read it because of the significance. Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I think a lot of people get to this verse, which is the last verse of this chapter. And they're like, okay, let's debate, right? Did this literally happen? Was it a fish? Was it a whale? How could someone actually stay alive? Maybe you have questions, and that's cool. I'm I'm here for your questions. If you want to talk more, that's fine. I don't think that's the, the whole point. Again, where did this fish come from? God. God sent the storm. God sent the fish. God was the one who gave the mission trip instructions. God is working. That's what I'm trying to help you see. The book of Jonah is about God. Now, did this literally happen? I think so. I just do. That's me. That's my opinion. If you came to me and said, I think this is metaphorical, it's symbolic, based on some of the language in chapter 2, which I left for Robsy to deal with next week, um, fine. I'm not going to break fellowship with you over that because I don't know that that's the point. 
think the point is what God is up to. I think the point is God is sovereign. I think the point is that we sometimes do this thing where we think we can just get out from underneath what God wants to do in our lives. And he's sovereign. So if you've got your hand out tonight, I've got three things for you. The first two are questions. I want you to ask yourself uh, this question. Number one is, am I running from God? Am I running from God? You have to answer that for yourself. Jonah was told, go east, he went west. He was told this, he chose that. He was told Nineveh, he chose Tarshish. And some of us in this room are just doing the same thing. God has told you something clearly to do in your life. I don't know what he's told you, but you're running. You're running away. And I would ask you to think about why. Like, are you angry? Why are you angry? Are you afraid of what? Are you running from God? If you are, and you're like, man, I just can't figure out why my life's always so jacked up and everything's a mess, I know why. You're actively running from God. How did that work out for Jonah? Not so great. Why is it getting thrown overboard and swallowed by a giant fish? Depending on how you read Jonah 2 2, he died. And then God brought him back to life. But more on that next week. I challenge you this week. Look, I don't try to give you guys a ton of homework, but I would ask you this week to just reflect. Look within yourself and ask, am I really, am I running from God? Question two is this, what has God revealed to me? What has God revealed to me? I think God speaks to us. I, I really believe that. Uh, for those of you going to camp in just a couple weeks, our whole theme revolves around the messages of God. What has God revealed to you? What did God reveal to Jonah? A specific mission that Jonah didn't want to fulfill. What has he shown you? Is it something that you know is very specifically for you and you're just like, no, I'm good? What could possibly go wrong ignoring God? Yeah. Do I think you're going to be swallowed by a giant fish if you leave here tonight because you've run from God? I don't think so. But I do think God works in our circumstances. And I do think that if he's shown you some things and you're running in the opposite direction, you've got to really examine your heart. Now, again, I don't know exactly what God has revealed to you specifically, but I do know what God has revealed to all of us generally. There's like a million things. I chose four for the sake of time. And I'm going to walk you from some Old Testament through what Jesus said, through what Paul said. So uh, we'll throw these up on the screen for you quickly. Uh, You can jot down the reference if nothing else. Micah 6.8. This is something that God has revealed. It says, No, O people, the Lord has told you, he's told you what is good, and what he requires of you to do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Some translations say to love justice. I'm just looking around our world, and I think it could use some more justice, some mercy, some people who walk humbly with God. And if you're going to sit here and say, I follow Jesus, this is for you. I don't know what God has for me. This. These things, love justice, mercy, walk humbly with God. That's some Old Testament, old school for you. What did Jesus say? Always a good question to ask. Jesus, when he shows up on the scene, Mark 1.15, this is his message. Repent of your sins, believe the good news. Well, but Kevin, it's it's more complicated than that. No, it's, it's really not. Repent of your sins, believe the good news. 
Now, yes, you may have baggage. Yes, you may have been through things. Yes, you may have been running for a long, long time, and you carry some scars, and you carry some uh, life baggage, and you've got a lot to unpack. And I'm just telling you, it starts with repent, which means turn from your sins. Like Some of us in this place, we have sinned today. Some of us have been living in those sins for weeks, and we're carrying a burden that's heavy, and we don't know how to get out. And the first step is stop sinning. Believe the good news that Jesus came and died for you. What do I do? What has God revealed to me? This. like It's right there. What did Jesus say right towards the end of his life? Somebody's last words you would think would be pretty important. This is one of the last things he said to his disciples as they were gathered. In fact, we're going to do a whole series on that at the end of the year, the last words of Christ. But John 15, 12 says this. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. So, again, if you say, I'm a Christian, what has God revealed to me? To love people the way that Jesus loved us. How did he love us? He took the lowest position. Right before this, he's just washed feet. And let's be real, feet are gross. Um, he's about to go in a matter of hours and sacrifice himself for his friends, but also for you and for me. So to love like Christ means to love sacrificially, and most of us are just caught up with getting our own way. So Christian, what has God revealed to you? To love sacrificially. What about Paul? He wrote most of the New Testament. What does he say? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is where it gets hard. I don't think we're doing well with this here at Crave. There's a lot of gossip. There's a lot of clicks. There's a lot of ugliness. Y'all trade screenshots of what people have said about other people behind each other's back like they're baseball cards. You're just passing them out to everybody. And I know about it. The adults in this room know about it. The people who aren't really a part of us here at Crave know about it. It's not hard to walk in and see it. I'm getting emotional, but like I'm angry because I'm tired of it. It's not biblical. What has God revealed to you? Get rid of this garbage. And some of us are so stubborn, and we got to have our own way that we'll just gossip about somebody. We'll talk about them. We'll write them off. They're dead to you. That's not what Jesus told us to do. He didn't say you'll be known by how much you know of my word. You'll be known because of how regular your church attendance is. You'll be known because you go to camp. You'll be known by your love for each other. Christian brother and sister, if you can't love each other, why would anybody outside of our faith want anything to do with what we've got going on here? I would get down on my knees and beg you if I thought that would make a difference. I am asking you, if you are a part of this, and I'm not going to look at anybody, you know who you are. There's more of you than you'd like to admit. This is what God has revealed to you, and I think he's speaking through me to you right now to say, deal with it. Forgive each other. Show that love and that compassion. Final thought for tonight. It's number three. I can't outrun God. I can't outrun God. Jonah tried. Jumped on a ship and thought, I'm going to get out of here. Some of y'all right now, you're like, I can't believe he just said those things. 
I'm going to run away from this. I don't like it. Good luck. You can get away from me. I'm old and slow. God's everywhere. You cannot outrun God. And if you try, you'll be miserable. You just will. Man, this isn't super uplifting. I know. I think it's true, though. And I think in truth, there is something that's uplifting. Probably my favorite chapter in all the Bible, Taylor's is Jonah 4. Mine's probably Psalm 139. And we talk about that chapter a lot because it deals with being knit together and God knowing us. But I love, love, love this part right in the middle of Psalm 139. We'll put it on the screen for you. The psalmist says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You're like, man, that... That makes me uncomfortable. I can't get away from God. I can just tell you, for me, that makes me feel very, very comforted. There's nowhere I can go that God's not already there. So the band's going to get ready to come back up. And I, I just hope that as we look at this book of Jonah that you can begin to see how God wants to speak to you. God spoke to Jonah. He gave him a mission. And Jonah's response was, no, I don't want to do that. I just know enough about the human condition, to believe that there's somebody here who you've clearly heard from God, whether it's something you've read in Scripture or maybe like, hey, I still think, this is just me, I think God can speak to people. Like he may have spoken directly to you and told you, hey, do this, and you're like, nah. Most of us aren't brave enough to like tell our parents straight to their face, no, I'm not going to do that, much less the God of the universe. Are you running from God? If so, why? I, I challenge you to, to spend some time reflecting and thinking about that. What has God shown you? What does he want for you? If you don't feel like you know specifically, start with the basics, some of the stuff we looked at tonight. Maybe you don't know Jesus, and that's your step. Maybe you've just talked the talk, but the reality is you've not walked the walk. You've been at Brookwood or church or Crave or whatever for a long, long time, but you know there's nothing really there with you and Jesus. You don't have a relationship. Hey, why don't you check that out tonight for the first time? It's not complicated. Repent. Believe the good news. Pray and ask God to forgive you. Start from there. Share that with someone tonight, whether that's me, whether that's a small group leader, a peer, one of our staff. One of, share it with somebody. Say, hey, what do I do? Where do I go from here? Know that you're not going to get away from God anyway. He loves you, and he will relentlessly pursue you. I'm going to pray. The band's going to sing, and this is a time for you to do business with God. If you want to stand and worship, awesome. If you want to sit and pray, awesome. And then we'll go to small groups. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the story of Jonah. We thank you for this book, this book that is ultimately about you and your love and your compassion and your mercy and your patience. God, we thank you that you didn't give up on Jonah even though he kind of went through it. We thank you that you've not given up on us. I pray specifically right now, God, for the one person in this room who is sprinting all out to get away from you. They know exactly what you've called them to, and they've rejected it. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to soften their hearts, that they would become receptive to what you have for them, that you would just allow them to see that you are good, you are kind, you are faithful, you are for us, not against us, and you love us. 
now, would you speak to us? Would you move?